as you're uh, as you're taking a seat, maybe maybe just find someone near you. Give them just a little high five. Just a little high five. A little OCC high five. Yeah. Oh man, some of you get some skin on that. Check that out. There's some power in the house. That is good. That is good. Oh. Overlake, as usual, you are looking good, looking good. I'm, I'm Pat. I'm one of the pastors on the team here, and we are going to tear into week two of a series that we're calling Worshippers. Worshippers. You probably see the signage everywhere as you came in and your handout behind me, everything. But for seven weeks, we're going through this series called Worshippers, and what it looks like is each week we are picking someone from the Bible, and we're just seeing how they worshiped. Uh, a form of worship they use, an expression of worship that they highlighted, and that's kind of what we're going after. And, and the reason we're doing this series, the reason Pastor Mike launched this series last week, is because we want to be a people, we want to be a church, and, and we want to live a life where we worship first, where we worship first. And, and it's all about our first response, our first thought, our first posture is one of worship. That regardless the day or the hour or the time or whatever occasion it is, whether things are great or things are terrible, our posture, our thought, our response is to worship first. And the big idea this morning, if you want to take notes, they they came inside your little cool little colored handout. The notes don't look as cool. They're white. But uh, you you can pull those out. And the first fill in, this is the big idea. This is what we want to leave here with, is knowing this reality right here, that worshipers are... Rememberers. Rememberers. It, it, that, that wasn't a word until two days ago. I, I added it. Microsoft Word. Just a little right click. Boom. Add to dictionary. Got rid of the red squiggly. That was me. It's added to the dictionary. So it's legit. It's someone who remembers. Worshippers are rememberers. And oh dear, are you all right? I think we're good in the back. Okay. Um, hopefully, hopefully she doesn't remember that. Um, here's the deal. It's all around us. Remembering things is just woven in and wired into who we are. You can look at, at everything, like parks. Parks are largely named after people. Or, or the roads we're driving on are, are largely named after people. Or the bridges that we're crossing. Or whatever it is. It, it could be even park benches or postage stamps or dollar bills. They're really all a sign of remembrance of someone or something. And as if that's not enough... Our moms tend to start something called a keepsake box, filled with memories, with little mementos, things of, uh, you know, packed, loaded with memories. And if you have a lot of these, if, if this is you, you may be a hoarder. You, you don't want to keep too many. You got to make sure it stays in a box. But, uh, but the first thing, oh, here's a good one. Uh, photo albums. Photo albums. We better enjoy these while we can, because the kids in Kid Town, they'll have no clue what a photo album is. Like, the, it's all going to be on iPads. But... Um, and it looks like I grabbed Leah's photo album. There's none of me in here at all. Uh, this is my wife's. But it's loaded with memories, loaded with, with snapshots of things that occurred, of people she met, of camps that she went to, or places that she traveled with her family. But it's all about uh, remembrance. When she looks at these, she can remember those things. Or, or this. Uh, what is this from? The Portland Marathon. Two years ago, when I look at this, I remember mile 21. <laughs> it hurt. It was terrible. I hated, I hated it from 21 to 26. But, but little accomplishments, little awards that you hang on to of things that, that you completed. Um, this one. Uh, you don't see a lot of these anymore. I, I worked in student ministries. I don't know if I saw a single one of these. A Letterman jacket. Uh, in, in Spokane, in eastern Washington, these are a big deal. All right, what's up? 509. 509. 
but, but when I look at this, and, and when I, I kind of hold it in my hands, I can't help but remember being a Central Valley bear. That's right. Go Bears. Um, yeah, that was dumb. Okay. But cross country, track, all the guys I ran with, the coaches that I had, the, the high school teachers that I loved, that's what I remember when I look at this. And now my most pr- prized uh, possession in here, my little remembrance bag. Let's see if I can peel this back a little bit. Oh, baby, you're getting a shout out. You're going to love this. Here's all the love notes from my wife, four long years of dating, and I hung on to everything. That was a long haul. I had to get these out and read them all the time. And, and some of them are pretty funny. I'm not going to lie. There's some inside jokes that I forgot about that when I read them, I remember now. Um, and, and also, some of them are a little steamy, so I like to read those. But, <laughs> but I'll tell you, 10 minutes of reading these, and I'm like in a different state in life. I'm like, woo, what's up? Life's the best. I love my wife. But, but memories, memories, it, it's wired into who we are. And you could look at humanity through, throughout all of history. You, you could select any random culture, any little society, and, and they value remembrance. They have some way of remembering their ancestors or big events that happened. It's wired into who we are. And the reality is, worshipers are remembers. And this book right here, the Bible, this is a lot like that box, this is loaded with stories. This is loaded with, with snapshots of, of things that God has done, things that God has said, things that God has promised, and the extravagant things that he did to make good on those promises. They're all in here. Everything in here is worth knowing and worth remembering. It's going to take you to a place of worship. And that's, that's why we value Scripture here. That's why we value it as, a, as authority. And we're going to look at someone in here today named Hannah. So if you, if you brought one in, you can flip to 1 Samuel chapter 1. Or on the notes, it's, everything's going to be on there. Or on the screen behind me, you can follow along. But let me, let me tee this story up. Let me kind of set the context a little bit. Uh, Timing-wise, this is way before Jesus' time. So before New Testament, this, this is before Jesus. And this actually, this happened before even Mike's message. So when Mike preached on King David last week, this happened before that even. And so that's kind of where we're at timing-wise. And the characters of the story is you have Elkanah. It's a dude. I know it's kind of a weird word. He might have gone by Elk for short. Who knows? Um, you got Elkanah, and Elkanah's married to Hannah. But Elkanah, and here's kind of the conflict— Ooh, you know, tension, big tension, deep waters here. He has another wife. He has Panina. Yeah, uh, that's going on. So Hannah, here's the deal. Here's why. Hannah was barren. Hannah didn't have any kids. She, she, she wasn't fertile at all. And so he took on, by custom, by tradition, he would have taken on uh, Panina, the, the, next, the other wife, to be able to kind of keep his lineage going. And so that's why he's got Panina. Well, the thing about Panina is, yeah, she can give birth like, like a bunny rabbit. Like, just no problem. Super fertile. However, she's a jerk about it. Big time jerk about it. Rubbing it in Hannah's face. Every, every opportunity Panina gets, she is just rubbing it in Hannah's face. The fact that, Hannah, you're worthless. You know, in our day and age, if you don't have kids, you're worthless. You're just dead weight around this family. You're no good. You're no good. And just constantly bewhittling her. And what they would do as a family, Elkanah, the wives, the kiddos, the whole clan, they would go annually, every year, they would go from their little town called Ramah, 
to Shiloh, 12 miles away, a little, little trek, a little journey. And on that travel, Peninnah would continue to just lay into Hannah, would just beride her, just, just bewittle her, just tear her down. And in verse 11, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 11, here's what we see Hannah's response. Here's what we see her say, and it's this. And she made a vow. Hannah is making a promise. She's making a commitment. Here's what she says. Saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me. There's that word, remember. If you would just remember me. And not forget your servant, but give her a son. Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. She makes a, she makes a promise. She makes a deal. I've, I've done that before many times. If I'm even like remotely desperate, I'm like, God, make a deal right now. This traffic's terrible. Terrible. You get me out of this traffic, I will never say a bad word again. Promise. You know, and it's like, you just start making deals. You just start making deals. And, and she is in the most desperate situation that she's ever experienced. And, and some I know in this room could sympathize with that. that. There has been moments, Hannah moments in your life of despair. And what she says is, God, I'll, I'll make you a promise. I'll make a vow. I will commit to something here. If you would give me a son, if you would just remember me, then I will actually dedicate him to you then I will give him back to you. You can do with him. You can use him. He can be your minister. He can be your servant. You can use him for the works and the plans that you have. And I will give him to you if you just give me a son. And then we will pick things up in verse 19. And it says this. The entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Again, this lifestyle of worship is being role modeled. Worshiping first, getting up early, worshiping the Lord. Then they return home to Ramah, so 12-mile trek back home. When Elkanah slept with Hannah, that means they did the deed. They had sex, just letting you know, in case you need the translation there. Uh, and an uh, interesting biblical principle here is you can worship first, and then you can have sex second with your spouse. Yeah, that's right. Pastor Mike's not around, you can tell. Okay, all right. Moving on, moving on. I know we're all misbehaving now. Now be nice. All right. So when Elkanah slept with his mom, Hannah, okay, uh, the Lord remembered her plea. He remembered her. There's that word again. And in due time, she gave birth to a son. And she named him Samuel. For she said, I asked the Lord for him. I asked the Lord for him. And, and in my Bible, I got, I got a Bible where there's like little, a little space kind of on the margins here where, where I can take notes, where I can write things down, things that I notice. And, and when I saw that she had a son, when I saw that she had a kid, circled that, put an arrow, and I would put, in your face, Panina, you know, like, take that. But there's four other words in that passage that are crucial to good theology, to what we believe about God, to what we know about God. Crucial. It's huge. And they're this. The Lord remembered her. The Lord remembered her. God's not just a million miles off doing his own thing, completely unconcerned and, and unaware as to the state of Hannah. That's not the case. He's completely involved. He completely knows where she's at, the state of things, where her heart is, her brokenness, and he enters into it. Uh, uh, the fastest growing belief system in the United States right now is called moralistic therapeutic deists. 
they wouldn't say they're a part of any major religion at all. They wouldn't say they're Christian or Buddhist or Muslim or anything. They would just check mark a box, none. You know, I'm not, I'm not religious. I'm not practicing anything at all. But when you ask them their belief system, you find out they're moralistic therapeutic deists, which sounds super heady. It's not. Just cool words. Moralists. They believe in good and in bad, in right and in wrong. Therapeutic. They believe, hey, I should be able to participate and do things that make me feel good, that make me feel better about myself. But they're, they're also deists. They have no problem saying like, yeah, I believe, sure, intelligent design. I'll stack hands on that. Or, or believing in God. Yeah, I'm sure there's some higher power. But I don't think he's involved. I don't think he cares about me. I don't think he knows me. I think, sure, maybe he created stuff and then he just took off and he's off doing his own thing or whatever. And this passage and this book would speak otherwise, that there is a God that completely cares. He completely knows where you're at. He sees the pain and he's not afraid to enter into that. In fact, that's what the story's all about, is he completely enters into the mess of humanity. That's our God, and that's important. That's important to, to, to kind of wrap our minds around and stack hands on. And so if God's remembering us, what should we remember about him? What should we remember about him? And this is the second fill-in. This is the second fill-in. If you want to leave here with 100% grade on your little sheets that no one will ever check, it's this word. It's this, done. Remember what God has done. Remember what he's done. Here's the alternative. Here's the alternative. It's forgetting what he's done. It's forgetting what he's done. The reality is, if God's going to do something, God's going to do something. The enemy, you know, God's adversary in this world, he can't stop that. That's God. When God's on the move, God's on the move. However, however, the enemy can use distractions or whatever to get you to forget what God's already accomplished. That's why it is so important we remember what God has done. And, and you see this pattern play out in the book before 1 Samuel. It's called Judges. You see this theme, generation, 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 just kind of passed along of the Israelites, and they, they continually forget what God had done. They continually forget about the God that set them free from bondage in Egypt. They forget about the God that split the Red Sea, and they walked across on dry ground. They forget about the God that provided food and water for them when there shouldn't have been any food or water around at all. Complete miracles. They forgot about a God that protected them, that led them, that guided them. They totally forgot what God had done. And when you forget that, it's hard to get to a place of worship. That's why worshipers are remembers. Even in marriages, marriages all have this problem where many times... All you can remember are the bad things on what they don't do, what, what she should have done, what he, what he still needs to do, or, you know, like, whatever it is, you never remember the good. You never remember the good. I am so thankful I've hung on to this that I can spend moments to just kind of go back through. It reminds me of who my wife is. It reminds me of the things that we've done together. It reminds me of all the fun times. Any, any marriage is going to need to continually get to a place of constant reminder of, of remembrance of the good. Because the enemy, he doesn't want that to happen. And, and look, at, look at Hannah. Look what Hannah does after giving birth to Samuel. We see this here in the very last verse of the chapter. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 28. The end of the story here. 
So now I give him to the Lord. Hannah gives birth. She makes good on her end of the deal. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Samuel worshiped the Lord there. Samuel worshiped the Lord there. You know, there's three things, just kind of, there's three quick notes, three little things that, that I personally identified in how Hannah remembered what the Lord had done. And there, there may be more, but here's just three that kind of popped out to me. And, and three is just a good number, let's be honest. Four is kind of weird. Two's not too many. Uh, three, it's perfect. Samuel. She named him Samuel. His very name is an act of dedication, is an act of, of remembrance of what God had done, because that name means God has heard. God has heard his name. When she calls him Samuel, that name is a reminder of the things God has done. Second, she made good on her end of the deal. His whole life is a testimony. His whole life is about serving God. So when she's in Ramah, when she's in her town, and Samuel's 12 miles away, growing up, learning how to, how to be a minister of God there, how to serve him, and she's, she's doing whatever her tasks are, and she would be thinking of Samuel, she would be thinking about uh, the gift that he was. Uh, he was. He was her first child, and she, she wound up having more after that. But, but she would be thinking of Samuel and, and the story of God giving him to her. And then third, they worship together. In many translations, that last verse of, or last sentence in that chapter would say, and they worship the Lord together. And they worship the Lord there together. And so they would have worshiped together. And I can just imagine as the family would continue to travel back to where Samuel's home is now in Shiloh, year after year, moments where they're spending time in worship together as a family, as they would continue to journey back. And, and even that, those moments are an act of, of remembrance of what God has done, of who he is. And, and I was catching up with Sternsey this, this week, uh, Pastor John Stearns. I call him Sternsey. Uh, you can too if you want. I, he didn't say that, but I did, so go for it. Uh, Stearns, I was catching up with him, and he said that during worship last week, he actually saw that. He, he caught a, a visual of a father and a son just worshiping the Lord together. Just standing next to each other and just, just complete, you know, just, just worshiping God. And I think that, that is a cool challenge as a parent. That if you have any kids, and, and, and really all kids are watching, really all adults here. We're all role models on some level. That, that the more that they can see this act, this, this expression, this lifestyle of worship, it begins to teach them, begins to show them what worshiping first looks like, what it means. And I understand being in the Northwest, there's a lot of outdoorsy folk out here. Some of you, you, you got your hiking shorts on because you're ready to get out and, and hit the mountain or whatever. I don't know. Some of you got your camelback on. You're just kind of sipping on water while you're in church. That's cool. Go for it. But check this out. You can do this anywhere. It's all about just finding a, a place and a space where you can remember God. It could be the great outdoors. It could be just as you're taking a hike. It could be while you're on, a, on an early morning wakeboard run. And you're, you're carving that glass. Or it could be in the wintertime as you're, you're going up the chairlift. And, and you're just able to look out and see what God did with his hands. But, but it just takes some, a time, a place and a space to be able to see, to remember what God has done. My favorite memories as a childhood, kind of looking back, and, and I got mementos in another box remind me of these things, were the moments of camp. 
as a junior high or in high schooler, those were moments that I'm able to look back to now as an adult or close to an adult, whatever you want to call me. But as I look back, I can remember what God did, how he showed up, how he became so real to me. And, and high schoolers from Overlake, they just got back from a trip just like that two weeks ago called Houseboats. And in fact, we got some friends, the, the people that think green and red are super cool over here. Sam Bika, what's up? Our friends, yeah. They're in, they're in camp mode right now. They're like, let's play a game, you know. Uh, but check it out. These are the counselors of a camp, just our neighbors. They're just down the road, just over here on Lake Sammamish. Not far away at all. You've probably driven by it. And they are creating an environment, a place and a space where as these kids come in, majority of them from unchurched backgrounds, unchurched homes, as they come in for just a week, for just a few days, handful of days, they get to experience who God is. They get to experience this God that is, is completely involved in their life and cares about them. And they're going to look back and they're going to remember you guys. And they're going to remember you guys for it. Because I remember my counselors. So I know you guys are tired. And I know it's been a long summer already. And there's still more weeks to go. But you, you just keep it up. Keep it up. And, and that's powerful to be able to look back in moments where you can remember what God has done. And maybe, maybe you're lazy. We got some lazy people in the church. That's cool. I'm, we're just glad you made it here. <laughs> but uh, check it out. Check it out. If you want to get into nature and keep your slippers on and, and have your Starbucks, I got an idea. Just, just go to Google or Bing. My bad. Bing. Go to Bing. <laughs> Images. Images. Just type in nature and you'll get some shots of nature and you can just pretend you're there. You know, you didn't even spend money. You didn't even have to move at all. So go for it. Some of you... And many of you, I shouldn't say some, many people in here are creative. I'm not. This is creative as I get, you know, putting my clothes on. That's creative to me. But uh, here's the reality. Here's the reality. If you're creative, use that as a, as a place and space where you can just exercise moments of remembering who God is, what he's done. If, if you know how to make words rhyme, do a poem of just remembrance of the things God has done in your life. If, if you're an artist and, and you know how to put paint on, on a piece of paper or whatever and it looks good, do it. Go for it and dedicate that as, as a memento, as something that, that you're saying, I'm remembering what God has done. Uh, if you're a songwriter, if you're musical, write a song in reminder of who God is, what he's done. That's what we're super passionate about here at, Over, at Overlake. And, and John Stearns does that with his team and they're continually writing new songs and, and the scripture even says that there's always new songs to sing to the Lord. And, and so do that. And, and if you just, you're the person that it's like, I just need the music. I can't write it, but I'll listen to it. I'll throw it in my car and I'll, I'll create my commute as a, as a place and a space where I can remember who God is. Then pick up the worship album. That's right. That's a shameless plug, but get it on your way out. It's $10. The info desk. Go. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, but don't forget what the Lord has done. A discipline that I've exercised throughout the years, kind of in different seasons. I'm not like a daily dude that does this, but, and I got him in here. But I will actually journal. I know, just being vulnerable there. These are Pat's diaries. <laughs> I'll write down the things that have happened in my life. I'll write down the things, I'll write down painful moments of God. I need a job. I'm married, and I do not have a job. Please give me one. Pat, you know? Like, 
you can read my journals and see I've had Hannah moments. I've been low before. And what's so cool, and, I, and I'll, I'll promise you, if you do this, you will be astonished. You go back through, you, you look at your journals. I could look through any of these and see how God showed up in each of these circumstances, how he's involved. And I guarantee you the enemy cannot, cannot stand the fact that I have these, that I'm able to access them. Because there is a wealth of memories right there of things that God has done. And so the challenge is this, and it's the last fill-in today. It's my favorite. When I came up with this, I was like, yeah, this is, this is tricky Ricky right here. But uh, it's this. You'll see why. You'll see why. It's tricky. Remember to remember. Huh? Yeah? Yeah? Kind of like Inception a little bit, like a dream within a dream. I thought it was, I thought it was cool. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, some of us have such bad memories, you're going to have to remember to remember to remember. So you can just add that on if you need to. <laughs> Go for it. Fill in the space. Here's the reality. Here's what that means. I mean, anything confusing, and I think a pastor feels like accomplished. Like, yeah, hey, yeah, that sounds dumb. You know, like, that's a great point. You know, here's what that means. It means this is going to take intentionality. This is going to take an extreme amount of intentionality. This is not going to happen on its own. I'm not just going to, like, read those notes uh, unless I go and purposely, intentionally read those notes. The journals are never going to just show up unless I intentionally write in a journal. And so it's going to require a lot of intentionality. If we're going to be worshipers, if we're going to be worshipers who are rememberers, then we're going to have to get intentional. Uh, my downstairs neighbor, love this guy. I'm going to miss him. Uh, he's lived there three years, and he's moving out on Tuesday, so I'm, I'm bumming. We did, we did coffee together on Friday. His, his name's Charlie. 2013 comes, and Charlie decides this is going to be a year marked by sobriety in my life. Narcotics and alcohol, I'm going to kick to the curb, and I'm going to be sober. And he's done it. Today is day 151 for Charlie and his sobriety. Yeah, give it up for Charlie. What's up? Totally. Totally. And he had to be extremely intentional about that. It doesn't just happen on its own. And, and one way he did that was he, he came to CR here on Tuesday nights. It's a, it's a recovery program. Any hurt or hang up that you have, uh, habit, whatever, come here and, and you'll be with other people that are on this journey. His first night at CR, he comes and he gets this little blue chip and it's called the 24-hour chip. And what it symbolizes is the start of sobriety, 24 hours of being sober. And what he did is he punched a hole. There's a hole in this one. He punched a hole in it, and he stuck it on his keychain. And so now every time he pulls out his keys, he's able to see this, this blue chip here and re be reminded that, hey, sobriety is, is a day at a time. It's just a daily decision. It's going to take intentionality, but this reminds him. It's a powerful tool. I think of, of, a, of an overlay couple, uh, Rob and Linda Robertson, and I think of the experience, the tragic experience that they encountered four years ago when their son passed away. And I think of, of many people that when they, they um, there's a, a moment, a season of grief, uh, I know many people that'll just kind of try to distance themselves from it and, and pretend, and maybe not pretend it didn't happen, but they definitely don't enter into the messiness of it. Because there's a lot that goes on deep down inside, a lot of pain that, that, that you begin to experience as you enter into grief. But they did it. 
And they will, they, they consistently, daily, are intentional about remembering their son, Ryan. I, I was talking to Rob on the phone this week, and I was just asking him, what's that look like? Like, what do you actually do as, as you remember Ryan? And he gave me a list. And he actually, uh, he said, I could just keep going. Because I find multiple ways of, of remembering my son. Uh, one, one in particular that, that I, I liked, it, it resonated with me, is he'll take Ryan's journals. He'll take the journals that Ryan had written in, especially those that, that Ryan wrote in as his, he's going through his last days here on earth. And he'll take those, and he'll go up to this waterfall nearby, and he'll just allow himself to just enter into that grief, to remember his son, remember how much he loved him, remember his time with him. And, and he'll do the same in his home, in, in his little prayer closet. And he'll go in there, and he'll even be surrounded by Ryan's clothes, or, or he'll, even, he'll even spray like Ryan's old cologne that he used to wear. And, and he'll just remember. He's very intentional about remembering his son. And, and in fact, Ryan's brother, Riley, got married about a month ago, and I, and I got to be at the wedding. And what's so cool is how Riley chose to be intentional about remembering Ryan. Because when, when they were in their line of the groomsmen, they left a spot for Ryan both in the photo op, but then also the wedding itself, the ceremony itself, you would have looked up and it would have looked like someone was missing. That's where Ryan was standing. That is where Ryan was standing. He was extremely intentional about remembering his brother. And that's what we need to do. We need to be intentional in our faith of remembering the things that God has done in our life. We can't allow the enemy to get in and get us to forget or to get us distracted. We've got to be intentional about this. And so I really, I went into brainstorm mode and I'm like, okay, what can we do? I'm going to come up with the best idea ever. And, and I did. I did. I came up with the best idea ever. And it's stolen. The best ideas are always stolen. I stole this one from Jesus. It's called communion. It's called communion. It comes right out of Luke chapter 22. And, and there's a reason why we do this here at church on a, on a regular basis. But here's where it comes from. Let's read this. It says, And he took bread, this is Jesus, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance, remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. He's saying, This practice that I'm giving you, is you're to be intentional with it. It's supposed to be a moment of, of, of reminding yourself who I am, what I've done. It reminds us that God sent his son Jesus 2,000 years ago to live a perfect life among us and then to die a, a murderer's death and then actually three days later to rise again and he lives today. It, it helps us be reminded of that. It kind of reorients our, our lives it continues to, to freshen and to kind of bring clarity to, to our perspective in life. And so today, after I pray and after offering tithes and, and the connection cards go in the bucket, we're going to have that opportunity to partake of communion this morning, together, to commune, one, one faith. That's really where it comes from. We are one. We may look different. We may be individuals. We may come from different paths. But hey, we're one when it comes to, to our faith in Jesus Christ. 
And so after I pray, after the communion is, or after the offering is taken, then feel free to come forward. And, and I just ask, be extremely intentional in that moment of remembering Christ, of the gift of his life, of the cost that was involved. And so let's be worshipers who are remembers. Let's remember what God has done. And, and let's be intentional about it. Let's find creative ways throughout our life, throughout the week to do this. Now let's, let's close in prayer. God, thank you so much for the story of Hannah and that we can pull out the truth and the reality that, hey, worshiping you can also look like remembering you. And so I pray that you would just give us uh, just a bunch of creativity this week of finding ways, finding intentional ways to remember what you've done in our lives. Remember what you've done throughout history. And I pray, I want to actually lift up the, the Sambika staff to you right now as, as they're in this room, as they're probably tired and they got a, a new crew of kids coming in tomorrow. Would you be their strength as they're creating an environment where kids are going to encounter you? And, and we pray over those young lives that, that you would do amazing things, that you would get involved, that you would enter into their messes and that they would be able to remember this experience. And, and I lift up the fact that there's going to be a, a, a bunch of junior hires from Overlake heading out to Wenatchee in about a week. Would you be with them? Would you, would you even begin to, to kind of stir in their hearts this, this passion to worship you? And we, we, we just thank you for showing up, for being here amongst us this morning. We love and we praise you in your name. Amen.